Inshallah, we'll begin from ayah number 78. وَإِن كَانَ And indeed, he was. Who was? أَصْحَابُ الْأَيْكَةِ The people, the companions of الْأَيْكَةِ Ashab is a plural of sahib, right? And what does that mean? A companion. So the ashab of a place, meaning the people who used to live in that place, the dwellers of this place. Which place is this? Al-Aika. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the people of Aika that they were lazalimeen. Surely they were zalim. Surely they did a lot of zulm. They were oppressors, they were wrongdoers, they were at fault. Who are the people of Aikah? What does Aikah mean? Aikah basically is from Aik, and Aik is used for such a tree whose branches are all intertwined. Such a tree, such a dense tree, that the branches are all intertwined, so you don't know which branch starts from where and it ends where. It's just you see a lot of wood. Alright? This is what Aik is. An acre is basically a place where there are many, many such trees. So you're talking about woods, a thicket, okay? A place where there are many, many trees, forests, you can say. So Ashabul Aika, the people who lived in such a place, the people of the thicket, the people of the woods, the people of the forest, who are they? It is said that these people were closely related to the people of Madian. And the people of Madian are those to whom Prophet Shu'aib was sent to. But remember that Prophet Shu'aib although he was in Madian, but his message was not just for the people of Madian. It was also for the surrounding areas. And that included the people of Aika. Just as Muhammad wasallam, he was in Mecca. But did that mean that his call was limited to the people of Mecca? No, it extended to the people of At-Ta'if also. And how far is Ta'if from Mecca? Not that far. Alright? So likewise, Prophet Shu'aib his message was for the people of Madian as well as the people of Aika. And remember that this was around the same time. Just as Lut he was sent to Suddum as well as the surrounding towns. Alright? And the people of Aika, their crimes were very similar to the crimes of who? The people of? Shu'aib meaning the people in Madian. And what were their crimes besides shirk? One was their shirk. Another was their rejection of the Prophet. Another was their moral degradation in the sense that they were very corrupt people. In their financial matters, in their financial transactions, they were very, very corrupt. How? That they lied to one another, they cheated one another, they were dishonest when it came to trade. And likewise, remember that these towns were all situated around this major trade route that extended from the east to the west. And I'm sure you're familiar with the Silk Route, hmm? the Silk Road, which was basically a trade road that extended from you know, far eastern places to far western places, and it was all a network of different, different roads. So these people, they lived by this, you can say this major highway. So whenever caravans were going by, what would they do? Attack them? plunder them, loot you know, their belongings, whatever, kill their people. So this was a major crime. And the prophets of Allah, they were sent not just to deliver the message of Tawheed, but also to reform the people, meaning in their social matters also. So for example, the Prophet ﷺ, he brought the message of Tawheed, but he also eliminated many other vices that were prevalent in that society. 
So likewise, the people of Aika, when the message of Shu'ib was given to them, it was conveyed to them, what was their reaction? Zulm. They were lazalimeen. Surely they were wrongdoers. In Surah Al-Shu'ara, ayah number 176, it is said, كَذَّبَ أَصْحَابُ الْأَيْكَةِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ The people of Aika, they rejected the messengers. Because rejecting even one messenger is like rejecting all of them. So Allah says, فَانْتَقَمْنَا مِنْهُمْ So we took revenge from them. They hurt, they harmed so many people. So they got their justice. They were also punished for the harm that they caused others. A messenger was sent to them and they rejected him. So what happened? They were punished for that rejection. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone created them. gave them everything they had, and instead they associated partners with him. So, فَانْتَقَمْنَا مِنْهُمْ We took revenge from them. And remember, that this is very, very important for us to understand, that whatever we do, we are going to be paid for it. We are going to be recompensed for it. We think that we just have to reform our you know, way with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our relationship with Him. So don't do shirk, don't worship idols, only pray to Allah, yes, fast in the month of Ramadan. But these people, were they punished just because of their crime of shirk? No, it was also because of their zulm towards humanity. So when we wrong others, remember that it's going to come back to us. It is definitely going to come back to us. فَانْتَقَمْنَا مِنْهُمْ وَإِنَّهُمَا And indeed both of them, both of them, both of who? Both the cities. Which cities? Both that were mentioned over here. Here, in the previous ayah, who was mentioned? The people of Aika. And in the ayat before that, who was mentioned? The people of Lut a.s. So both of these cities, Allah says they are لَبِ imamin. Surely they are situated on the imam, which is mubin, which is very clear. Which imam is this? Imam over here doesn't mean a leader. It means a highway, a road. Because imam literally means one that is followed. One that is before you and you follow them. Alright? But the word imam is not just limited to a leader. It also means a road, a highway. Why? Because a traveler, what does he do? He follows, he follows what? The road. If it turns right, he goes right. If it you know, goes around, he does that. Because he's on that road. You know, have you ever wondered, why is it that certain roads are so windy? You know, why doesn't it just go straight? Because that's how it goes to the destination. And if you say, no, no, I don't feel like turning you know, towards my right. No, you're not going to end up at your destination. So, imam is a highway. What kind of a highway? What kind of a road? Allah says over here, it is mubin. Clear. Again, that same trade route. Because remember that these networks, okay, these roads that connected you know, city to city and country to country in different continents, literally, they were used by many people. If you look into the history of, for example, the Silk Road, it's very, very ancient. You know, much into the early BCs, literally. Thousands of years even before Isa came. Yes, the routes changed over time, but this was something that happened from a long time ago that people traveled. And these roads, they became very, very busy, you know, with people traveling back and forth for the purpose of trade. So the Arabs, the people of Mecca, they would travel frequently for the purpose of trade. And whenever they traveled, they would pass by the ruins of such people of the past. So for example, the people of Aika, the people of Lut, they saw their ruins. 
When the Prophet ﷺ went to the book, when he went to the book, the Sahaba passed by the ruins of an ancient people. And over there, amongst those ruins, you know, those broken homes and deserted streets, they found a well. And the Sahaba, they took water from that well and they even made dough with it for themselves. They were so happy, fresh water. But they were told to discard that. Why? Because the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had befallen over there. So you don't want to take anything from that place. Not even water. And the Prophet ﷺ advised the companions to move quickly from that area and not camp over there, rather move quickly. So the Sahaba passed by the ruins of the ancient peoples as well as the Arabs before them and the mushrikeen at the same time, whenever they would travel far and wide, they would come upon the ruins of these people. So Allah says, وَإِنَّهُمَا لَبِي إِمَامٍ مُبِينٍ So when you see these things, why don't you take a lesson? وَلَقَدْ And certainly, كَذَّبَ He rejected. Who? أَصْحَابُ الْحِجْرِ The people of Hijr. المرسلين, who did they reject? المرسلين, the messengers. Those who were sent to them. Who were the people of Hijr? The people of Hijr are the people of Salih salam, also known as the people of Samud, the nation of Samud. You might say, but why are they called nation of Samud as well as Hijr? Because this is very natural. Some nations, they have one name and others they are you know, identified by multiple names. And there's different reasons behind that. Okay, So for example, the Arabs, they're known as Arab and they were also known as Banu Ismail. Okay, the descendants of Ismail salam. And then there were certain groups among them, the tribes, one is Quraysh, one is Kinana, so on and so forth. Okay? So different names. So Walaqad Kathawa Ashabul Hijr. When they're called the people of Thamud, we understand that their tribe, their nation was known as Thamud. Why are they called Ashabul Hijr? Because Hijr is the name of the area where the people of Thamud used to live. Okay? The name of the area, the name of the valley, the region where these people used to live. And this was the north of Medina. So you can say the city of the Prophet ﷺ, Medina, like far in the north, okay, in the area of Hijaz, this is where they used to live. And who did they reject? Allah says, Mursaleen, prophets, messengers. How many messengers were sent to them? All 300 plus messengers were sent to them? No, only one. And who was that? Salih But they rejected him, meaning they rejected all the prophets. Because rejecting one is like rejecting all. وَآتَيْنَاهُمْ And we gave them. Ayatina, Our signs. It wasn't that they didn't recognize the truth and they didn't know. No. We gave them our signs. We showed them many proofs. They were given the miracles so that they would be convinced. But did they bother to take any heed? فَكَانُوا عَنْهَا مُعْرِضِينَ But they were from all of those signs, مُعْرِضِينَ Ones who turned away. مُعْرِض, إِعْرَاض إِعْرَاض is aversion. To be averse to something. To turn away with aversion. You know, one thing is that you have to turn away from something. Because, you know, you're not able to face it anymore. Okay? So for example, you're sitting in your kitchen and the wall clock is behind you. Okay? And you're sitting in a particular direction and the wall clock is behind you. You're not facing it. Now, if you are in a rush to get out of your house early in the morning, okay, what are you going to do? Oh, whatever, the clock is behind me. 
Why should I bother to look at it? No, no, no. You're going to be eating and constantly looking back. I'rad is to turn one's back away at something and not even have any interest. So the wall clock is behind a person and he doesn't even bother to turn his neck to look. He's like, oh, good, I can't see the time. I can't even see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know it. Don't tell me. Nobody tell me what the time is. This is I'rad, that you are averse to it. You have no interest in it. So the people of Salih salam, the people of Hijr, they were shown miracles. What miracles were they shown? They demanded that a she-camel, a huge pregnant she-camel, should come out of the rocks before them. Did it happen? Before their very eyes. They saw this massive, tall, very different she-camel that was also pregnant come out of these rocks. Okay, the rocks just open up and this camel walks out. And then she gives birth. And whatever they demanded, they saw it. They were shown. But did they take any interest? No. What did they do? They slaughtered the she-camel. They killed it. فَكَانُوا عَنْهَا مُعْرِضِينَ وَكَانُوا And they used to. يَنْحِتُونَ They used to carve. نَحْت is to carve. مِنَ الْجِبَالِ In the mountains, بُيُوتًا Homes, plural of bait. In the mountains, in the rocky mountains, they had carved out their homes and they used to live there how? Aminin, plural of amin. One who is safe and secure, someone who is living with aman. What is aman? Safety, security. Where you don't feel any you know, danger, you don't sense any threat, nothing whatsoever. Aman. They lived you know, fearlessly, basically. Why did they live in this state of contentment and you know, state of complete peace and security? Because their homes were where? Inside mountains. Now, if you think about it, when there's a lot of heavy rain and lightning, okay, along with a lot of wind, okay, and your windows, let's say they're not that new, and it happens that every time it rains a lot, your windows start to leak. The water starts to drip in sometimes. Hmm? When there's a heavy storm like that, do you feel at aman? Would you feel at aman? Not at all. If your house was not waterproof the way it is, alhamdulillah, would you be at aman when the snow fell? No. Any kind of house that people make, whether it is from wood, or from aluminum, or from brick, or from clay, or from any other material. It is safe, secure, but it is not that secure. I mean, you always hear about tornadoes and all that. What happens to the houses? They're just picked up by the floodwaters and taken away. One tornado and the whole street turns into a huge mess. All the houses, the windows, the doors, they're ripped apart. Have you ever seen images? of a place from where tornadoes have passed by? Total devastation. But these people, they had no fear whenever there was a storm or a hurricane or anything like that. They had no fear. Because they lived inside mountains. Inside mountains. And they had no fear that their houses would get damaged. What happens to other houses? They have to be repaired. Right? But these mountains, rock solid, does it have to be repaired? No. So much so that till today such houses exist. Right? In so many parts of the world, 
Even in Afghanistan, recently I read a report in BBC where they have houses, you know, inside mountains, where, you know, those houses were actually made by monks many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago. But now, other people are living in there. And those houses are still usable. So likewise, these people, they used to live in their homes, Aminin. They had no fear. They felt completely secure in their lives. But, فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الصَّيْحَةُ But the sayha, the shriek, it seized them, مُصْبِحِينَ As they were entering the morning. Many times it happens that because a person has some power, some ability, he begins to feel fearless. He begins to think that nothing's going to happen to him. That he cannot suffer. Because if he ever has any problem, it can always be fixed. You know, for example, a person has a whole lot of money. So he thinks, nobody can harm me. Even if somebody tries to harm me, I can always use my money to help myself. Likewise, another person feels that they're very strong in their body. Or that in their family, they have a very, very firm position. So nobody can harm them in any way. But what happens? Because of this sense of security, we begin to oppress others. We begin to misuse these blessings that Allah has given us. We're deceived. But what happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the punishment from where a person cannot even imagine. These people had no fear of rain, even earthquake, because how often is it that earthquakes can actually you know, destroy mountains? I mean, it happens, but it is very, very rare. So they had no fear such as that. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished them with how? A sound, a scream. And can you imagine... The blast itself was loud, but when that blast was heard inside rocky mountains, how much louder and devastating that sound must have been? Because imagine the echo. Imagine the echo. فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الصَّيْحَةُ مُصْبِحِينَ As they were entering in the morning. With regards to many nations, this is mentioned, that the punishment came to them when? As they were entering the morning. The people of Lut also, they were punished at the same time. Why? Because in the morning when a person wakes up, he starts fresh. He looks forward to his whole day. He doesn't have much fears and worries and anxieties. No, because it's a start fresh. You just you know, slept and you got over many of your issues and now you've woken up and it's a fresh start. At night, many times what happens? When you go to bed, you're full of worry that I have to do this, I have to do this. And you're hurt because somebody said something to you. And your body is hurting because you were physically working the whole day. Right? So at night, your state is different. In the morning, you're feeling much better. You're looking forward to the day. It's a fresh start. But what happened to many people? As they entered the morning, the adab of Allah descended upon them. فَمَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُمْ So it did not avail them. It did not save them. It did not benefit them. It did not come in use. Aghna is from ghani, right? Ghani is to be rich. The wealth of a person. And the wealth of a person, it helps him. But fama aghna anhum. It did not enrich them. Meaning it did not come in use to them. What? Ma kanu yaksibun. Whatever they had been earning. They had accumulated many riches of the world. Many riches. But did it help them? Could it save them from that loud blast? No. فَمَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ And in this is a huge lesson, that no matter what a person has of this life, 
of this world, no matter what power, what material resources, what influence on others, regardless, before Allah, He is still a servant, a beggar, a needy human being. And if he turns his back to Allah thinking, I have this money, I have these many resources, I have so much power, he's only deceiving himself. Because look at the example of the people of the past. Individuals and nations, whatever power they had, it never helped them against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we must understand the reality of this life, the reality of the things of this life. وَمَا خَلَقْنَا السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ And we did not create the heavens and the earth. وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا And whatever that is between them. إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ Except in truth. Except in truth. Meaning it is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has created this entire existence that you see above, below, around you. And He created all of this for a just cause, for a reason, for a purpose. Not aimlessly. There is a reason behind all of this. If the sky has a purpose, the clouds have a purpose, the ground has a purpose, what is your purpose, O human being? Just look, admire, enjoy, have fun, and that's it? No. And just because you have a little bit of power right now, you're deceived, thinking that you'll have it forever? No. Don't forget the Khaliq, don't forget the Creator. وَإِنَّ السَّاعَةَ لَآتِيَةً And indeed, the hour is surely coming. It's on its way. It's not too far. The hour is coming. The day of judgment is certain. It will definitely, definitely occur. Because people think that I have my life to live. I'm young. I still probably have many, many years in which I can have fun. But how much? How many years? Sooner or later this time will end. So don't be deceived thinking you can do whatever you want and you can turn your back to Allah. No, you cannot. The hour is coming. Your end is coming. And if you don't live to see the day of judgment, meaning you die before that, certainly your death is coming. And once everyone dies, eventually, the day of judgment is definitely coming and you're going to face it. So when your end is near, then how can you forget about it? How can you forget about it? How can you forget your Lord? Fasfah. So the Prophet ﷺ is advised, Fasfah. Pardon. Then pardon. Overlook. Forgive. Who? Those who oppress you. Those who wrong you. Those who reject you. How should you forgive them? As-safh al-jameel. Forgiveness that is beautiful. Forgive them beautifully. With gracious forgiveness with a very graceful forgiveness. Why is the Prophet ﷺ being told this at the end of this ayah? That, remember the situation of the Prophet ﷺ. He is conveying the message and he is being rejected. And he is being opposed by who? Powerful men. People of power. People of riches. People of authority. And that was difficult for him to bear. So the Prophet ﷺ is comforted with the example of the people of the past. That Look at the power that Samud had. Look at the power that the people of Aika had. Did it help them? No. So these Quraysh, these Makkans, these Mushrikeen, they cannot hurt you. Inna sa'ata la'atiya. The day of judgment is coming. And this is a source of great comfort for every individual who is being oppressed in any way whatsoever. Every person who is being oppressed, if he remembers the day of judgment is coming, 
that will bring a whole lot of relief to him. That yes, the oppressors, the damage that they've caused, I mean, the suffering that they've made you bear, how is it fair that they are happy, they're living their normal lives and we are suffering? But there's great comfort in this. The hour is coming. So right now, what should you do? Just ignore and pardon and forgive those who oppress you. So that you can accumulate a greater reward in the hereafter. You see, there's two reactions when a person is being oppressed. Okay? Oppressed and when he's not able to take revenge. You know, when somebody's harming you, you can stand up for yourself, you can take revenge. Okay. Justice is done. But there's another situation where you cannot stand up for yourself. You cannot defend yourself. Like the Prophet ﷺ, could he do anything to defend himself in Makkah? I mean, think about it. Him being from the Quraysh, a noble man he was, but yet people had opposing him in such a harsh way. So in this situation where you are being oppressed and you cannot stand up for yourself, there's two ways to react. One is that you begin to pity yourself. And you're filled with rage. You're filled with anger. And you pity yourself. You become depressed and sad and unhappy. And at the same time you realize you cannot do anything. But you're filled with rage. You're filled with feelings of revenge. But you cannot do anything to help yourself. When a person lives in this way, you know, I am so pitiful. This is not fair. Why has this person wronged me? Why is she doing this to me? And you're full of rage. You're only destroying yourself. You're only destroying yourself. Because when you pity yourself, you're basically allowing yourself to not do anything else. But the other way is that you say, okay, they're doing whatever they are doing. I'm just going to ignore them. I forgive them, even before they seek forgiveness. And I'm going to see that in my situation, what else is it that I can do? What was the Prophet ﷺ advised to do? فَصْفَحِ الصَّفْحَ الْجَمِيلِ Forgive them so that you can free yourself. Forgive them so that you can focus on your mission. Forgive them, overlook their oppression and their words and their harassment, whatever they're doing to you, so that you can still move on in your daily life. You can still do something. Because otherwise, if a person is living with rage and sadness and fury and depression, how productive can he be? He's literally killing himself. So repeatedly in the Qur'an, the Prophet ﷺ is advised, forgive them, ignore them, turn away from them. Why? So that you can keep working. You can keep doing what you have to do. And notice how he's told, forgive them how? As-safh al-jameel. Safh. Safh. It means forgiveness. But what is the literal meaning of the word? Safha is actually used for a page. Okay? Feel the page of your juz. How is it? Smooth and flat. Right? Smooth and flat. This is how our heart should become. Smooth. That there is no blister that is full of rage for another. And no another blister that is full of feelings of agony and pity. No, smoothen out your heart. Forgive the other person so that you can live a normal life. You can be a happy individual. I remember once I asked one of my teachers as to what the meaning of safh was. And they said, turn the page. Turn the page. Meaning move on. Ignore them. 
turn the page. You know, like start a new chapter. Okay, today they said something harsh to you. Khalas, move on. Tomorrow is a new start. Tomorrow again they do something harsh to you. Khalas, move on. Next page. Next page. Next page. And like this life goes on. You know, like when you're writing sometimes and the pen, it bleeds through. Right? It bleeds through. So what happens? That page has a stain. But then the other page also has a stain. And the other page also has a stain. When we remember the wrong that others have done to us, this is what we're doing to our life book. We're staining every page. We're staining it. If somebody put a dirty hand on your book, you know what? Turn the page. Don't let that dirt come through onto the next page. Forget it. Ignore it. Move on. Clean your heart. Forgive the other person. And you will be happy. You will be happy. Our problem is that we don't forget what others have done or said to us even five years ago, five days ago. And these grudges, who do they burden? The carrier, the bearer of those grudges. Leave those grudges. Let go of this baggage. Lighten yourself and move on so that you can do something more useful in your life. If you think about it, Who was harassed more? Are we harassed more in our lives or was the Prophet ﷺ harassed by his opponents more? He was, right? He was hurt more, physically abused even. And if he is being told to forgive beautifully, then what are we meant to do? His problems were definitely greater than ours. He is advised, forgive, ignore, move on. فَصْفَحِ الصَّفْحَ الْجَمِيلِ And notice, it is الصَّفْحَ الْجَمِيلِ What is جَمِيلِ? That which looks beautiful. That which looks beautiful. So what is beautiful forgiveness? What is beautiful forgiveness? That you say, you know what? I forgive them, however, you should remember that this is what they did to me, and this is what they did to me, and this is what they did to me. And my neighbor, you should also remember. And my cousin in that country, you should also remember. And my co-worker, you should also remember. Is that Safha al-Jameel? No. If we're going around telling the whole world about what someone has done to us, that is not Safha al-Jameel. That is not beautiful forgiveness. Beautiful forgiveness is that you don't even talk about those issues. Forget them. Leave them. Because each time you will talk about them, you will cry. Right? You will cry. You will be sad. This doesn't mean that you don't share your feelings with others or you don't share your problems with others in order to seek their advice. Do that, but only as much as is necessary. Do we ever find any incident where the Sahaba are sitting together and they're crying? No. Yes, they informed one another about what the mushrikeen did to them, but it was just to affirm and strengthen their faith. They spoke about those incidents in a positive way to strengthen their faith, to encourage one another to strengthen their faith. But when we mention our problems, we mention them so that people feel pity for us. They take our side. We should also remember to tell the right person about like certain problems. Like, Don't tell your children about um, what your husband did to you like when you first got married or whatever. Like, That's not going to help the situation at all. Yeah. I remember one of my uh, friends, she was getting married and you know like everybody comes and they give advice. So this one sister came and she gave advice and I really, really liked that. She said that when she was getting married, somebody told her, if you have any problem between you and your husband, 
or between you and your in-laws, don't tell your mother right away. Don't tell her. Only tell her if it's like a serious issue. Serious issue. But if it's something small, don't tell her. Why? Because the next day, you'll get over it. You'll get over it. But your mother won't. Your father won't. Right? And this is very natural for every relationship. You have arguments, you feel hurt, but then what happens? One hug and you move on. Right? Basically, every relationship between siblings, husband and wife, parents and children, it's normal. But when we tell other people immediately, this is what my husband said to me, and this is what she said to me, and this is what he did to me. You know what? Tomorrow they're apologizing to you. But your mother is going to remember, she's going to be hurt. And imagine how much fear she's going to be living in, that my daughter is living in this kind of a family. I wonder what's going on. I wish I could be there. And then it creates a strain between her and you know your in-laws. It becomes difficult. I'm not saying that if you're suffering from serious issues in your you know marital relationship that you should not seek help. No, seek help. But if it's something small, ordinary, please accept it and move on. And the thing is that if you honestly, sincerely want that your relationship with a particular individual should become better, then you will not go around telling other people about the problems that you have with them. Because you want that your situation should improve. And when you want that your situation should improve, your relationship should improve, then you focus on yourself, not on the other. You think about what you can do to earn their love. What you can do to make them happy and satisfied so they don't have any complaints against you. Then you worry about improving yourself. But if your focus is to make yourself appear as someone who's perfect and someone who's being oppressed, the victim basically then you're going to go on telling everybody. So the Prophet ﷺ, what was his goal? That the people should accept Islam. The people should worship Allah. So whoever oppressed him, whoever opposed him, whoever hurt him, what was his reaction? فَاصْفَحِ الصَّفْحَ الْجَمِيلِ This is what he was told to do. Forgive them graciously, beautifully. إِنَّ رَبَّكَ Indeed your Lord, who He is Al-Khalaq, the Supreme Creator, who is Al-Alim, the Knowing. Your Lord Allah, He is the Knowing Creator. Al-Khalaq, one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Khalaq is one who creates a lot. Can you count the things that Allah has created? Can you? No. What about things on your body, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created? Can we count them? It's impossible. And imagine, so many human beings, each one of them has so many things in their own body. A tree, how many leaves does it have? How many fruits does it grow? He is khalaq, the one who creates so much, so much. And khalaq also means that the one who creates, but creates as it should be created, meaning in the best way. The best way. You know, for example, an artist, what does that mean? That he makes art. But would you call any random person an artist? No. Who would you call an artist? I mean, someone who creates a work of art. Not just random paint splashed on a canvas. Right? So, 
خلاق one who creates a lot and one who creates best and he is alim he knows meaning he knows his entire creation he knows and he has created everything for a purpose he is aware of that purpose and he knows who is fulfilling that purpose and who is not so remember all these people around you all these problems around you all these things around you they're created by who Allah and he knows what misery or what difficulty or what happiness you are going through So leave the matter to him. Recitation of these ayat. وَإِن كَانَ أَصْحَابُ الْأَيْكَةِ لَظَالِمِينَ فَانْتَقَمْنَا مِنْهُمْ وَإِنَّهُمَا لَبِإِمَامٍ قَدْ كَذَّبَ أَصْحَابُ الْحِجْرِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ وَآتَيْنَاهُمْ آيَاتِنَا فَكَانُوا عَنْهَا مُعْرِضِينَ وَكَانُوا يَنْحِتُونَ مِنَ الْجِبَالِ بُيُوتًا آمِنِينَ فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الصَّيْحَةُ مُصْبِحِينَ فَمَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ وَمَا خَلَقْنَا السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ وَإِنَّ السَّاعَةَ لَآتِيَةٌ فَاصْفَحِ الصَّفْحَ الْجَمِيلِ إِنَّ رَبَّكَ هُوَ الْخَلَّاقُ الْعَلِيمُ